We pray you'd speak to us. We pray, God, you'd give us fresh faith and fresh vision for the, the journey you've got us on as a church. And you'd lead us into the good plans you've got for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, folks, well, today we're going to take a time. We, we do this every couple of months. We take a bit of time to look at our vision and where we're going. Uh, and we're going to do that this morning. So uh, it's a real good insight, especially if you've re- recently come along to the church, a real good insight into you know, who we are as a church, where we've come to, celebrating where we've come to, and looking forward, setting goals, believing, uh, and looking to the future. So this is important to do this on a regular basis. We're going to look at Edinburgh, our dream for Edinburgh. But let me talk to you about what it means to be Scottish, first of all. Um, if, you, if you grew up in Scotland especially, you'll be able to relate to this. If you didn't grow up in Scotland, this will help you be able to relate to people who did. Okay. Scattered shares without breaks of sunshine and, nor- and a cold northerly wind is your idea of good weather. You are forced to do Scottish country dancing every year in high school. I remember those days. You have a wide local knowledge of uh, words such as numpty, which means idiot, I, which means yes, I write, which means no, (laughs) Olgin, which means over 40 years old, and Baltic is cold. Okay, you should take notes, some of you folks who have come from other parts of the world think, that's what that meant, okay. You have an irrational need to eat anything from a chippy, as long as it's deep fried, haggis, pizza, white pudding, sausage, fish, battered, Mars bar, the whole deal. Um, you always greet people by starting to talk about the weather. You notice that? So, hi, how you doing? Some weather today, eh? And it's every, honestly, who's, who's from other parts of the world here? How many people have noticed that? Right? It's weird, isn't it? Okay, it's an insecure thing going on. You wait at the shop counter for one pence change. You lose respect for any groom who does not wear a kilt. Your holiday in Benidorm is totally ruined when you hear there's a heat wave back home. You're used to having one, one day with four seasons. You can ex- this is a common experience. You don't know what haggis is made of, but you still enjoy it. Being Scottish is about driving a German car to an Irish pub for a Belgian beer, then traveling home, grabbing an Indian curry or a Turkish kebab on the way home to sit in your Swedish furniture watching American shows on a Japanese TV. That's, that's what it means to be Scottish. And most of all, Scottish, the most Scottish thing of all is suspicion of all things foreign. The only thing in Scotland that can get to your house uh, quicker than an ambulance is the pizza delivery guy. (laughs) Only in Scotland do supermarkets make their sick people walk way to the back to get their prescriptions while while healthy people can buy cigarettes at the front door. Only in Scotland can you buy double cheeseburger, large fries and a Diet Coke. And only in Scotland do we leave our cars worth thousands of pounds in the driveway while we lock up our junk and cheap lawnmowers in the garage. Only in Scotland do banks leave both doors open and the chain and chain the pens to the counter. You notice that? In Scotland they chain the pens to the counter. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Scotland. In two thousand seven, location, location, location voted Edinburgh as the best place to live in the UK. It is a cool place to live. I mean many people who travel the world and come back to Edinburgh they say, Yeah, Edinburgh's a nice place. And then winter comes and then they think again. But on the whole, it's a terrific place. It's scenic. It's got, there's a buzz about it. It's just a brilliant place to live. And I love, I absolutely love the city. I love the city. And uh, me and Ange and, and the family, we've committed to being in the city for life. Um, I know some people are missionaries and they start a church and then they go somewhere else to start another church. That's not what I feel. I feel God's called me to be 
in this city for life, building one church in partnership with other churches, glorifying God in this great city, because this great city needs great churches. Here's very quickly five reasons why I think God loves the city, and I think five reasons why he's upset about the city. I think God loves the city because of the arts and creativity. God is the author of all creativity. God is the ultimate artist. You look at the world he's made. I mean, how can anyone look at this world and think that was an accident? How can anyone look at this world and assume God is dull? I mean, look at it. It's abundant. It's bountiful. It's, it's lush. It's just full of variety. And the design is phenomenal. You stand back and look at the mountain ranges and the large compositions. And then you, you pick up the flower at your foot and you see the same attention to detail. You see the same level of excellence and the commitment to design. God is creative. God also loves it because it's an international city. God likes all races, peoples, groups being together. God also likes it, I believe, because it's a city known for education and innovation. And God's into education. God's into us growing in knowledge. God is the ultimate wisdom and knowledge. And God likes people having a hunger to learn and to grow. That's a good thing. And as a result of that, there's lots of innovation. Many inventors have emerged from Scotland. Many of the, the great inventors have emerged from Scotland. So it's also an influential city. And I think God likes that. It gives churches in the city and it, it gives the people in the city an opportunity to literally influence the ends of the world. It's an influential city. And also, here's, a, here's the biggest reason God loves this city because it's full of people. And God is very into people, God loves human beings. I don't know what your religious background was, but many people have a religious upbringing which communicates very strongly to them that God is anti-you. You know, he wants to keep you under his thumb. He wants to tell you how bad you are. Well, actually, if you open the pages of the Bible, which is a crazy idea, but you could, and you open the pages of the Bible, you find actually the, the God revealed in the Bible is not the God that is often revealed by religion. God revealed in the Bible is loves people. He's committed to people. In fact, God did a huge amount of stuff for people just like you and me. 2,000 years ago, he came, he lived, he died on the cross for your sins and for mine, which are many. And he rose again the third day so that you wouldn't need to perish and go to a lost eternity, but you could have a whole new start. You could have a relationship with God in the here and now and forevermore live with him. That's what God came to do. He is for you. Five reasons God's upset about Edinburgh, and I think this is true. He's upset about the breakdown of the family unit. He's really upset about that. He's upset about the heartache that, that, that causes. He's upset about unfaithfulness. He's upset about the knock-on effect to future generations. I believe God's upset about the isolation that's in our city. You've got a city full of people, yet people get lost in the crowd, are isolated. I think God's upset about being cold and unwelcoming. Edinburgh, you know, I came from Glasgow, I'm a Ouija. And in Glasgow, they say, come in and have your tea. You come to Edinburgh and they say, well, you'll have had your tea. <laughs> and that's, that's something that they say, but the reason they say it is because often it's true. In Edinburgh, you know, you get below the surface, everyone's the same. But on the surface, Edinburgh folk are sometimes pretty standoffish, and that's naff. You know, I, I broke down on, sorry, I didn't break down. I, I ran out of petrol. Okay, if you break down, it's the car's fault. If you run out of petrol, you've got a loose screw, right? I did it twice. <laughs> on the same street, on Queen Street. And Graham billed me at one time, and Ashley, our secretary, drove up. It was on the way down to the Leith office. I had to, listen, could you get me some petrol and bring it up? Anyway, so I ran out of fuel in the middle of Queen Street on Russia. And like, and no, it's no sympathy whatsoever. It's not like, are you okay, mate? It's, ha, ha, yeah, 
and all this, right? It's just absolutely harsh. It's, it's a harsh world, man. And that's Edinburgh. And maybe if you've come from another part of the world, you're experiencing that. And I'm really sorry. It's not how it should be. I think God's upset about that. I think God's upset about dead religion in this city. There's a lot of stuff that's religious in this city, right? But it's dull. It's irrelevant. And it's shrinking. And God actually, probably God doesn't even turn up at those churches, right? It's probably just a social club. It's got the title church, but it might be that God doesn't even turn up because he's not welcomed. They want to do it their ways. They love their traditions. They don't want to open the Bible and do it God's way. They're not interested in letting the God's Holy Spirit's power have his way among them. They just want to do church their way. And as a result, they're shrinking because people aren't looking for watered down, weak, rubbishy church. People are looking for the authentic Bible-believing, awesome, God-filled, people-loving church. And that's what um, I think God's upset about that. Also, God's upset about sin. This city's full of sin. Our lives, my life, your life is full of sin. And it's sin that it sent Jesus Christ to the cross. We shouldn't mollycoddle sin. We shouldn't call it a problem and try and get a counselor to talk us out of it. Sin is sin. It needs to be dealt with, repented of, ran away from, and confessed to God. And then get your slate wiped clean, get God's forgiveness in your life and get moving forward. God has got a lot on his mind about this city. Looking at the needs of this city, do you know what I I reckon? I reckon that church is totally the answer for this city. Church meets the needs. It is creative. It's international. It's about education. It's about influence. It's about people. It's about breaking, it's about restoring families. It's about dealing with isolation issues. God, God, the Bible says that God puts the lonely in families. Church is about, let's change the culture and make it welcoming. Church is about alive faith, not dead religion. And church is about dealing with the biggest issue in humanity. And it's not your neighbor, it's not your dad, it's not the politicians, it's your sin. And Jesus came to deal with that. The root cause, not the surface issue. The cause, not the effect. God is your answer. And I believe church, I honestly believe, it is the hope of all of the nations. It is the hope of the world. When you say church, when you say church is the hope of Edinburgh, tons of people have a misconception of what you're talking about. They think, what, you mean that building? You're saying that building along the end of my street is the hope of Edinburgh. I can understand why they may give you a blank look when you say church is the hope of the city. Because they think that building, that's not the hope of the city. And I would agree. In a national survey, they were asking people, what is your preference of church? And one person wrote in and said sandstone. And you think, man, people have totally misunderstood what church is. Church is not building. Church is people. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Notice that Jesus isn't building, isn't a, hasn't got a hard hat on, he's not grafting and kind of building stone monuments around the city. Half of them, even their architecture communicate, keep out, okay? Like small windows, you know? Well, we've got no windows, I guess, so. <laughs> but typically the architecture of churches say, keep out. Uh, it's cold. They even build, like, see when they do the pews. They put the pews in so that, like, your, your back is like that. And you're just going to... I know. It's horrendous. And it's like, I think they do this because, well, it, at least if we're going to preach boring, they'll stay awake because the seats are really hardcore. You know, so, and honestly, I think, that, so we've taken a real big risk here and put in cinema seats. Now, the danger is you're too comfortable and you might fall asleep. But what we have got just to counteract that is a rubbish heating system so that it keeps you awake. <laughs> so. But, you know, 
Church, that's not about building. Jesus isn't building buildings. He's building a people, a nation, a a nation within the nations, a community within the community, a city within the city. He's building his people, and he calls it church. Church is a Greek word, koinonia, and ekklesia. And ekklesia literally means summoned ones, gathered ones. It's, it's God is gathering people from all different parts of town and all different sectors of society and all different backgrounds and age groups, and he's putting them together, and this is a gathering, it's an assembly, it's his people here for his purpose, and God is building that, and I believe that's the answer for the world. Jim Simbola, who's the, the pastor of a large church in, in Brooklyn, he said that heaven's great concern is not for the United Nations, global warning, warming, the financial markets of the world. It's great concern is for the extension of God's kingdom and spreading the good news around the world. The world coming to an understanding of who he is is what the heaven is concerned about. And all that depends on local churches like yours and mine. The local church is the vehicle through which God's great purpose for this world is being outworked. And the local church, I have to tell you, even though you may look around in Edinburgh and see buildings shutting down and all sorts, in Edinburgh, I've got many great friends who are pastors and their churches are growing. Around the world, the church is growing very big and very strong. Uh, One of the prophets, Micah, in the Old Testament had this vision, and I believe it's clearly talking about the church. And this is the vision, this is the picture he paints about this people that God is building. Micah 4, verses 1 and 2. And it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord, he didn't say a little hill or a, a kind of a dune, he says a mountain, God's house, God's people, God's church is going to be a mountain in these last days. It will be established as chief of all the mountains. It's going to be the biggest thing around folks. I believe that. It'll be raised above the hills and all peoples will stream to it. Many nations will say, come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and that he may teach us about his ways that we may walk in his paths from Zion, uh, will go forth the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. All that is pictures of the church. I believe the church God is going to raise up in these days, all across this world, as being big, significant, influential, a place where people can get answers, a place where people can get hope, their heads raised up, where people can connect with the very purpose they were born for in the first place. I believe church is the answer for the world. And I believe that through, this, uh, through what we're doing here and through the efforts of other great churches in this city, we can truly impact this amazing city, uh, which is 2007's best city. We, we can impact this great city. Here's five ways we're going to do that. Number one, I believe we're going to be an expanding citywide congregation. An expanding citywide congregation. The Bible Society released a statistic saying that in Scotland, there are 3.2 million people in Scotland who are unchurched. Peter Briley released a report in 2002, and he said that uh, in in 2002, 573,000 people attended church on the average Sunday in 2002. This number uh, will drop to 347,000 by 2020, and that's a drop of 225,000 people in Scotland. And, and three quarters of all Scottish churchgoers is Roman Catholic and Church of Scotland. And while there are many phenomenal Roman Catholic churches and f- phenomenal Church of Scotland churches with great leaders at the helm, many of them are on the dramatic decline and they're shrinking. 
but I believe God wants to buck the trend. In the Scotsman, uh, there was an article written, and it said, that, this is a quote from that article, it says, the scale of the decline in church worship in Scotland was laid bare yesterday as new figures showed that 300 people a week uh, have stopped attending the church in the last eight years. That's pretty dramatic. So if we, if we, if we want to try and keep up with the rate of decline, we've got to grow by that many people across the board every week. And I think that's possible. Um, however, I believe there's a good picture as well. I believe that churches are growing and good things are happening. Um, there was a, a Christian research group produced some data and they said that, that churches, that many of the new churches, that new churches are starting all across the UK, that between 1975 and 1979, 654 churches were started in the UK. Between 1980 and 1984, this rose to 801 churches being started. And there was 863 churches started between 85 and 89. And between um, 89 and 98, the, the, the amount of churches that were started in the UK was 1,867 churches. There are many new churches being started. As churches are closing, you're hearing about that. But what you're not hearing is that many churches are reopening. And I think what happens is this, is that if churches refuse to change, if churches get so stuck in an old rut, if churches get so stuck in an old mindset and way of doing things, that eventually God will give them chance after chance after chance. And a point will come where he will draw a line and he will say, I'm going to start again with someone else. Because God's purpose will happen and God's purpose will continue. So he won't wait around for people to get with it if, if he's given chance after chance after chance. And that's what he does personally with us as well. And so God, will, God is sending church planters and new churches. This church has been going 10 years ago. We started in 98. And uh, I know many new churches in the city that 10 years ago didn't exist, but are now in this city and are doing really well. And it's exciting. Whenever I hear of a new church coming to the city, it's exciting. As long as they've got motive is right, as long as they're not trying to take people from other churches, as long as they're trying to reach out to the unchurched, then this is great. This is essential. And this is necessary to buck the trend and to take ground for God. Around our churches, we're, we're part of a network of churches called Destiny Ministries. And that's great. It keeps us, it, we're not independent. We're interdependent. We're part of a bigger network. We're accountable, which is important for us. Um, around our network, exciting things have been happening as well. Uh, recently in Glasgow, their offer for a city centre property has been accepted. I've got a slide here showing it. Uh, that's right at the end of Cathedral Street. Uh, this building, they, they run, they've got a, a south side campus building, and this, is, this will be their city campus. Just now they're hiring uh, kind of pubs and nightclubs and, and music venues in the city to do their services, but they've bought, the offer has been accepted in this, and they're going through the purchasing process as we speak. Uh, this will take about 300 people, uh, but on the land, the council have given, in general, a green light to the possibility of a 1,000-seater being built on the land adjacent to it. So that's exciting. So their offer has been accepted. The next slide shows Dublin. Dublin last week moved into their new building. They just got, this is, this is it. It's an awesome entrance, isn't it? I mean, look at that. Whoa, check it out. So um, the future is bright. So this is, this is it. And then next slide shows the interior. It takes about 200 people. Next slide shows a bit closer up. Uh, Dublin have, next slide, there you go. This is Brendan, my buddy. I was his best man. He was mine. Uh, he's gone gray. He's got, he went grave when he was in his 20s. That was, I guess that's quite cool, isn't it? Or something. Anyway, that's, that's not the point I was trying to make. 
point is, isn't it exciting that my friend Brendan's got a new building? And uh, that's exciting. And also Destiny Sterling, last week I was over there, and Destiny Sterling are just signing the lease just now, or have just signed the lease last week, for a cinema that owned by Carlton as well in Sterling. And they get two auditoriums, of three, two 300-seat auditoriums. That's what they're getting. Isn't that exciting? So within a, you know, within a few months, we, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Dublin, and Stirling have all got buildings. And it sounds like, it seems to me like God's kind of positioning us for a bit of growth. He's putting things in place. He's putting an infrastructure in place. And it's like all these churches have been looking for buildings for many years. And, but all of a sudden, something clicks into place and everything's been put in place, I believe, for a harvest, for a growth, for the, for the advancement of what God's about to do among us. So that's very exciting. Very exciting. That's a bigger picture. Here's a ne- the next slide shows you the, again, if, if you've been with us for a while as a church, you'll have seen this many times. For us, this is an important diagram. This is a GSI survey of Edinburgh, and it shows the unchurched areas of the city. It shows the areas where most people who don't go to church live. The darker the red the area, the more the unchurched the area. Now, as you notice, the city center there, that's, that's what I've called, I put a little label there saying the hub. That's the castle and Princess Street. As you can see, there's a fairly low density of unchurched population because there's a high density of good churches and there's a low density of population. But you see in the surrounding areas, you see the huge density of the unchurched. Um, not saying that they're thick. I mean, what I mean is that there's lots of them there. Now, you look strategically at where we're located with the Gorgie and Leith campuses. If you look at that, strategically, God's just been genius. <laughs> I mean, look, look at that. Hey, that's here for God. Way God. I mean, that's just genius. I mean, we couldn't have come up with that any better. God has just strategically positioned us in two locations so we can reach the unchurched populations. We're not here to take people from other churches. Some people come from other churches. And that's okay if, if, if your church that you've been at wasn't going anywhere and you gave it your best shot before just jumping ship, okay? And, and you feel God has led you here. That's, that's the only condition you can come here. You don't just leave with attitude to your old church. That's wrong. If you're leaving with attitude to your old church, you need to go back and put that right and make amends and put things right. And then if you find after you've made peace that you want to stay there, then please do plug in there. Our agenda at Destiny Church is to reach the unchurched. And strategically, that's why we're positioned in these two locations. And God led us to these two locations. From these locations, we can reach out into the surrounding areas with unchurched populations. Last week, I went to visit Stacy Wells. Is Stacy here today? No, I can't see. Stacey, I think she's probably going to be coming along tonight. She was in hospital last week, diagnosed with cancer. She found this out a couple of weeks ago. And I went in to pray for her that God would heal her. God, God does that. And she came to church about three weeks ago. And her dad, William, you know, William, are you here? Where's William? It's William. William, you've been praying for Stacey for many years now, yeah? And eventually Stacy came to church on an evening service down in Leith and she committed her life to God. And she came along the following Sunday here and then she found out she was diagnosed with cancer and she was taken into hospital. I went in to see her in hospital and this was not a lady who was desperate, at rock bottom, panicking, fearful. This was a lady who was full of hope, who was totally full of peace, who knew that she was secure in God. And she, she, honestly... She was saying to me, Peter, I've been so excited. She said, I've, I, life has just taken a whole new meaning. I've got my Bible here, and I'm a celebrity starter as well. So, I mean, 
she, loved, she was having a great time in hospital, watching I'm a Celebrity and reading her Bible. And life had, the, the life taken on a whole new meaning thing wasn't to do with I'm a Celebrity, just to be clear on that. It was God. God had come into our life. And God was in our life. She was excited about Jesus. She had a confidence. She had a peace. And even though the di- diagnosis was really negative, she had a peace because she had a faith in a God who was bigger than that. And she also knew that her life was now in his hands. And I tell you what, if we can give that to our city, bingo. That is phenomenal. That's what we need to give away. Hope in Jesus Christ changes everything. If your faith is in God, it changes everything. It not only changes your eternity, it also changes your here and now. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and life in abundance. He didn't, he didn't teach you that you could kind of become a believer so you can, at the end of it you can get to heaven and you just survive until then. No, no. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to live a life in relationship with him. A life strong, blessed, and making a difference. Living the dream that God's got for your life. And Stacey had just come alive. And do you know what? For me, that just reminded me all over again. I know why we're doing this. I know why we're doing this. We're about connecting people to the God. And maybe some people have forgotten about God. Maybe they used to have a church background, but just walked away from it. Or maybe no people, Maybe some people have got no church background at all. Then do you know what? We're going to just connect with them. We want to tell them about the gods that they may have forgotten about or that they may never knew in the first place. We want to introduce them to him and he is, gives them true life and a new start. Amen? Who's up for that? Okay, here's how we've been doing. Here's a, a slide that shows our growth. Uh, since we, only, we started in 98, incidentally, it took us four years, right, to get to 30 people. That's, a, that's an interesting point right there. That was a tough four years. Preacher was rubbish. Everything was bad. Four years. Okay. And then, as you can see, this Castle Bank Street, we moved into Castle Bank Street in 2004. Um, 2005, we got through the 200 mark. 2006, we got through the 300 mark. 2007, we hit the 400 mark. And this year, as you can see at the end there, we've been sitting at the five, just in the last, just to put it in perspective, in the last year, most of this year, we've been sitting at 400 people. When we come to... Um, September, when we moved into this building, our average attendance went from 400 to 500, and sometimes we've hit 550. Okay, so the church, the church has grown in the last two months by about 100 to 150 people. There's been a real acceleration. In the last 12 months, we've seen 396 responses to the gospel, and um, so we are, we're very encouraged. We're very encouraged, but we're longing for more. We've just got started. So that's the first 10 years out of the way. The next 10 years, our goal in the next 10 years is to grow to 1% of the city. That's 5,000 people. That's the goal in the next 10 years. A big, happy family of people like Stacy who've got hope restored in a living God. Okay, here's the, proje- here's the projection of, of the growth over the next couple of years. Just taking that growth curve, which is a slightly accelerating curve, and it, it will mean that if, if, if just everything just continues as is, uh, then we'll be 550 at the end of the year, 750 at the end of next year, and through the 1,000 by the end of the year after in 2010. That's, that's if it just things continue. Statistically, when churches move into a new building, typically that year they double in size. So it could be that next year we get through the 1,000. That would be our dream. That would be our, our prayer. And we don't just need to stick with the statistics. We can break those rules. So let's pray that, that God will accelerate that process. But the long-term dream is we want to be 1% of our city in the next decade. And then we'll set another goal after that. 
how are we going to achieve that? How are we going to let the city know about Jesus? How are we going to get this message out? Well, we've got a whole lot of outreaches that we've planned to be this expanding community. As you know, we've mentioned about the Carols by Candlelight service. We want to encourage you, invite your friends and family. I think we can see 1,100 people at those services this year, reaching our communities, reaching our friends, reaching our families. Uh, and as I said, childcare is available for two and a half to 12-year-olds on the Saturday night and on the first Sunday night service. Okay, here's some other things we've got planned. We've got a burn supper in Cayley planned for January. We're going to do healing, a day of healing with healing services right through the day that we'll publicize all around the city. Uh, I think that's in maybe February or March. We've got Easter services. We're going to do similar to the carol services. Uh, we've got church in the street. We'll hire venues in Princess Street and do church public with stage and PA and the whole thing. We're going to do an African drumming night in the building here. Um, we're going to do big barbecue baptisms on the beach. ballistically with burgers and Brian will be there as will Belinda so it's going to be for and Ben we're going to do this big we're going to hire a, a beach venue in, in like maybe I don't know if you hire them I don't know we'll claim a, a flag and a beach we'll claim a beach we'll have it we'll, again we'll just do a big outdoor service and do mass baptisms um, in the in the summer and just go public and have a, you know, lots of fun and games as well, and beach games and barbecue and all that stuff. And we're also going to do a lot more friends and family type services. When you guys did the survey, we asked you guys to do a survey a couple of weeks ago. It was really, really helpful. What we found is that 49% of you came to this church because you were invited by a friend or a family member or someone you met. They invited you to come along. Now, it might have been that you also knew about us before that. It might have been you saw one of our adverts before that. It might have been that you got a leaflet through your door a couple of months even before that. But it was the personal invitation that brought you, yeah? How many people that was their experience? It was a personal invite that, that brought you along. Okay, it's, it, according to the survey, it's 49% of you. And it's interesting, the Tier Fund did a survey that was released in 2007, and this is what they said, that there are three million people in the UK who have stopped going to church and who have, or who have never been to church in their lives, who would consider attending if given the right invitation. Isn't that amazing? That means that there's a congregation of three million people just to be had by simply just going out and telling people, why don't you come along? Given the right invitation, there are three million people in the UK when surveyed said, I would go to church. So church, you are now missionaries officially. Congratulations, you're missionaries. Welcome to the mission field. And uh, we're going to change our city, and we're going to change it one life at a time. I encourage you, just invite your friends and family. Just tell your communities. Every event we've got on, that's your opportunity, not just to sit back and turn up. That's your opportunity to think, who can I bring along? And pray about it. And do your best to, you know, welcome. As new people come in on a Sunday, go welcome them. Make them welcomed in our services. The plan, as we expand, this, this, we're going to get to a point where already this venue is filling up quite quickly. Uh, as soon as the new, the new PA is ordered, yay, hopefully it'll be in for the carol services. The guy was in this week looking at it, and uh, he's hoping that we'll all be in by the carol service. That's the hope. And as soon as that happens, we'll put proper seating in the cafe area as well, which can make extra space, another 100 seats there, and, and so on. But we, we're going to start the third service. You guys were surveyed about this a couple of weeks ago as well. The plan is to start a third service. We're going to hopefully do it in March. And that gives us a bit of time for the teams, the worship team, the kids team, the stewarding team, and everything getting ready to, so they can have teams in both locations in Gorgon and Leith. 
And the plan is to start a a 10.30 service in Gorgie and a 12 o'clock service in Leith. That's the plan. We've had a lot of deliberations and discussions and we've, we've, we've completely taken into account what you guys said in your survey and we think that reflects accurately what you've said. So 10.30 service in Gorgie, 12 o'clock in Leith, and then there'll be the evening service in Leith again. So in March, that's the plan to start a third service. We plan to start a fourth service probably next September, and that will be an, an evening service in Gorgie. So by next September, we'll probably be running a morning and evening in both locations, um, and that'll be four services. Just very exciting. A bit crazy, but very exciting. So you might ask, well, why the hassle? Why the hassle? Let me argue a strong case why we want to hassle ourselves by taking these steps. For us to go to multiple services, multiple campuses, do you know what? It's going to be very uncomfortable. Do you know that? My wife runs the kids' church upstairs. It's been enough of a challenge to get the kids' church up and running here, which incidentally is phenomenal now. The kids are having so much fun. How many parents here? Kids having fun? I mean, it's, it's brilliant. Thanks for your enthusiasm. <coughs> it's, it's gone from, you know, 35 kids to about 65 kids now uh, since moving to Gorgie. And the kids are having a whale of a time. And they really are. They're doing things at a whole new level. But now we're talking about starting another service way across town in Leith. And it means she's, my wife's thinking, man, I need kids leaders. I need kids workers. It's a huge hassle, right? If we were wanting an easy life, we would not be taking these steps. If we wanted an easy life, we'd be saying, let's just enjoy full buildings. You know? Because it will make us feel good about ourselves. Because not many churches have got full buildings. That will make us feel good about ourselves. So why are we going to the hassle of getting out of our comfort zones and saying, actually, we're not here for our own comfort. We're here for his purpose. Here's why. Because God got out of his comfort zone. God could have just stayed in heaven and said, well, to hell with the world. But he didn't. 2,000 years ago, the message of Christmas is that Jesus came The Bible says that he being in very nature God, he set aside that majesty and he came and was born of a virgin and he lived a human life. He worked, he grafted as a blue collar carpenter. He worked hard. He did a day's work. I mean, that's, for some of you, that's just, what? Yeah, he did. He worked. He he provided for his family because his dad, Joe, died when he was probably a teenager. So he is the firstborn would have provided for his mom and siblings, Right? He wasn't the kids who kind of spent all this time thinking and praying. Right? That wasn't Jesus. Jesus was out there working and he would have paid his bills on time and he would be the only laborer ever in all of history to turn up on time. Jesus, Jesus was amazing, right? And he left the comforts of, of heaven and came. Why? Because he loved mankind. He loved humanity. And furthermore, he knew that coming wasn't just to teach things. He knew that coming meant the cross. That wasn't an accident. God planned that. He knew that as he came, he would go and hang and die a horrendous death, the most barbaric death. In fact, 350 years after Jesus' crucifixion, they banned crucifixions because they were so barbaric. The word excruciating means out of the cross. It was such a horrendous death, and God knew that was what he was setting himself up for by coming. But God did it. Why? So that you could be going to heaven. He was willing to go through hell for you because he was unwilling to go to heaven without you. That's why he came. He shed his blood, divine blood, for us fallen humanity. Even when we shook our fists at him and continued to hurl insults at him, spit at him, he said, Father, forgive them, 
for they know not what they do. His entire mission was you. And he rose again on the third day, and he's alive, and he's Lord, and he's Savior, and he deserves a hand clap. He's amazing. And God, God got out of his comfort zone because of you. So who are we to just kind of keep in our comfort zones and say, well, none of the other churches are doing this. Well, not many churches are growing, so don't compare yourself. Oh, but it's nice to be feel full. Let me not just enjoy being full. Well, are you forgetting the whole purpose? This is just a means to ends. Buildings are just tools. It's not the end in itself. It's just a tool for people. We're about human beings, not about buildings. We're about God and about human beings. So therefore, we will get out of our comfort zone. We will get out of our comfort zone. Within reason. We're not going to go crazy. We were looking at January, February, but we think it's too soon. We think March is realistic. But let's get out of our comfort zone for the sake of them. Jesus said, Luke 19.10, The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Mark 2.16-17, When the teachers of the law, who were the Pharisees, saw a meeting with sinners and tax collectors. You know, in, in those days, people like Graham and others hung out with Jesus. And they said, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the Irish. No, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners like Graham. God came to rescue sinners, and we are filthy sinners needing saved. And that's why he came. So we want, our mission, we want his mission to be our mission. The Apostle Paul also embraced this mission. He said in 1 Corinthians 9, 22-23, I have become all things to all men. Paul's saying, I get out of my comfort zone to relate to human beings so that by all means I may save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel. What's the gospel? That God came to rescue you. Paul was saying, I will do anything I will get out of my comfort zone. I will become someone to something. I will reach people. I will do whatever it takes to win people for Jesus. Why? Because that's what God, he got out of his comfort zone to reach us. So we need help. We need like never before you're praying. Please pray for us. Please pray for this, your church. Pray every Sunday. Pray that there'll be growth. Pray for the city. Pray for the communities. Pray for the unchurched. Okay, we need your involvement we need you to volunteer. If you've got time in your hands and you can say, listen, I'll give an hour at this, or we understand that not everyone can give equal involvement. If, you, if, you, if you're single, maybe you've got this much time. If, you, if you're married with 15 kids, you've got a little bit of time, right? So everyone's different. We don't expect the same from everyone. But in the way that you can, why not step up to the mark? Why not, instead of being a passenger, why not be a participator? Get involved. We specifically need help in the worship bands, because as we're going to three services, we need it basically another bands. We need people who have got an ability singing, not who think they have an ability singing. Okay. Thankfully, our team is very good at giving you a reality check, right? So have thick skin as well. Okay, brace yourself. No. That's why I ended up the preacher, okay? Sorry, Graham. Okay. Graham would love to sing. He would love to sing. Often he walks around the office and he's singing to himself. It's lovely. Or, or it's not lovely, but he does it. So we're looking for people to volunteer to sing, uh, to be musicians, instrumentalists. Maybe you've got a, a guitar, electric guitar, and bass, and bass guitar. Castanets? Castanets. 
hey, Jesus. <laughs> so we're, we're, just know what? More than ever before, we're needing serious help. We need to, otherwise, we don't want people, we don't want like the, the band that's already here to kind of, you'll see them every week dwindling. <laughs> like kind of after 15 weeks on the rota, right? These guys work so hard. They've got about two practices a week for any, you know, they've got development night and they've got the practice for the Sunday and they pray. They're seriously committed bunch of people. You've got to appreciate them. Absolutely. Amazing. So we're looking for help there. We're looking for help in the kids' church. You know, if, if, if you've got, a, you might not feel like you could teach the kids, but maybe you can, we're looking for helpers. But equally, if you've got an ability to teach kids or to help leads, they're doing tons of fun stuff up there. Or, or there's a crash as well, if you can change nappies. They really need help with that. It's so much fun. It really is so much fun. That's a good one, that. I see, I see tons of people signing up for that one. So the, the kids' church needs help because they're going to have to double up as well. The stewarding team, the visitors' team, we're all going to have to double up on all the fronts. So please get involved. As well as growing big, we also want to grow deep. The second part of our vision is to a growth environment, to be a church that has a growth environment where people can be mature in their faith. And when we're talking about deep, right? Say deep, right? When we're talking about deep, we're not talking about deep and dull, right? We're not talking about deep in the wrong kind of sense. There's the wrong kind of deep and there's the right kind of deep, okay? The wrong kind of deep is rubbish. The right kind of deep is very good. Here's the wrong kind of deep. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 18 verses 1 to 3. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything... He does not yet know as he ought to know that if anyone loves God, he will be known by him. In other words, the person who thinks they're deep, I know all these things. Actually, you're just a big-headed Egypt, right? You know zip according to the Bible. You actually ought to be humble because true knowledge will make you humble. True knowledge won't make you all puffed up and proud and big-headed. True knowledge will be loving and humble. You know what I, I see in some churches? They pride themselves in being deep, but actually they're just arrogant and they like arguing for things and they like proving other people wrong, right? They like flabbergasting you with their big words and arguing a case for certain things, but actually that is not maturity according to the Bible. That's not maturity. If maturity results in big-headedness, that's not maturity, that's immaturity. His true knowledge, okay, 1 Timothy 1 verse 5 but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. If you have true knowledge and you go really deep, you will be a loving individual. You will love other people. You'll become more like Jesus. And Jesus not, was not judgmental or big-headed. You ain't going to know any better than Jesus knew. And yet he was humble and he was loving. 1 Corinthians 13.2 says, If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge... And if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. See, you could know everything, so you think, but you ain't got love, then in God's book, you ain't got nothing. True knowledge will result in love. True knowledge will result in you will be a person who others will get along with, better with. Spiritual maturity isn't so that you can argue a case and win. It's not measured in knowledge, it's measured in fruit. It's not measured in words, it's measured in power. What effect is your knowledge having in your life? Are you becoming a better guy? Are you becoming a better girl? Are you becoming a better husband? Are you, have you stopped hitting your, 
your wife? Have you stopped fooling around on the side? Have you stopped dealing with, you're dealing with your addictions? This is maturity. It's, pro, it's progress personally and corporately, going deeper. 1 Corinthians 2 uh, verse 4 says, Paul saying, my message and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. True depth isn't just big words. True depth is that you have become an powerful person, an anointed person, a person with the power of God on your life, and that you can start seriously benefiting others, not just giving nice bits of advice, but your life bears good fruit in the lives of others. True life, true depth, true richness. So how, how are we going to see this depth come in the church? Okay, well, first of all, we're going to start with the leaders. We've got about 70 leaders in the church. Again, amazing people doing an amazing job in, in both Leithen and Gorgie. These 70 leaders, are, we're going to announce this to you at your leaders' event, but you're going to hear it now, so we won't need to announce it to you at your leaders' event. What we're going to do is we're going to have every quarter, we're going to have a leaders' training day, a Saturday, a whole Saturday. It's going to be, run, it's going to be like a Bible school. It's going to, the, the goal is to make you spiritual heavyweights in, in the Bible and in the power of the Holy Spirit, in those two things, in balance. Not just in the Bible so you can answer all the things, not just in the power of the Holy Spirit so you can do all the stuff, but in both. That'll keep you powerful and sound, okay? So leaders, we're going to take you, every quarter, we're going to have a leaders' day, a Saturday, and lunch and breakfast will be included. We'll have uh, in-depth teaching. There'll be homework set and all that. We're going to ask all the leaders next year uh, to read the whole Bible through in the whole year, and we'll set homework and stuff like that. And we want to take the leaders deeper. Who still likes being a leader? Very good, okay. <laughs> Just checking. I know there's only three hands went other, so we've gone from 70 to three. That's brilliant. Oh, Jesus did this sometimes as well. And then one of the quarters, we're going to have a leaders weekend where we're going to really take time to seriously invest in the leaders. If you're here today and you feel you are called eventually to leadership, not that you want to put yourself forward, not that you want to say, hey, pick me, pick me. But if if you're humble and you've got a genuine heart and you feel that God has got that for you in the future, then we want you to reach your fulfillment. We want you to be a leader in this church. Here's my advice. Serve amazingly well. Serve amazingly well. Before I came to Edinburgh to lead the church, this was my responsibilities in Glasgow. I was in the stewarding team. I set out chairs. I helped with the kids' ministry. I helped teach a group of two- and three-year-old kids. I was rubbish at that. And thir- thirdly, I, uh, I handed out leaflets on Saturday, inviting people to church. That was me. That was what I did as preparation for leading a church. I think the best training for ministry is serving. Jesus said, if you want to be great, be a servant. So I encourage you, if you want to be a leader in the church here, find an area, serve in that area, get behind the existing leaders, demonstrate good attitude and humility, and then you will be someone we can trust with responsibility. You wouldn't want to be following people who are on an ego trip. You want to be following people who've got good attitude. And when you've got that, you can follow that kind of leadership. Give me an amen. Are you with me today? Okay, this is a slightly longer, slightly more complicated message today. Lots of information coming out. Are you still okay? Right. Notice the numbers got fewer there again as well. Okay, and the plan for discipleship of the whole church is this. Well, first of all, cell groups. If you're not part of a cell group, I encourage you to get connected with a cell group. That's, we're going we're gonna to probably change the name of cell groups to home groups, okay? Because every time I say, why don't you go to a cell group, people say, what's that? And I say, ah, it's a, it's a home group. And they say, all right, okay. So I think, let's just skip the question and just call it home groups from now on, okay? We're going to call it home groups because it, it does what it says in the tin. 
And we want to, home groups are basically meeting homes and they're groups. And it's a time where we can talk about God and pray and have communion and really hang out and get to know each other and grow in your faith. It's a real good discipleship forum. I want to encourage you, get connected with a home group near you. If you want to know more about that, there's a little home group, or they call it a cell group, they're just out of date. Home group table through in the foyer there, and that, they'll tell you about where, where the new home groups will be. Okay, and also encourage you all as a church, why not read the Bible through in the year? That's what we're going to do as a leadership, and what we might well do is we might on your little bulletin sheet that no one reads that you get handed as you come in the door, on that we'll put on it the, the verses that we're going through uh, in that particular week, so just so you can keep up if you want to. We have an according to the pattern course, which is a membership course. If you haven't yet gone through that, why not consider signing up for that in January when the next course starts? Also, Destiny College, as well as running a full-time nine-month course in leadership, and you're welcome to be part of that. There's 25 students, about 10 to 12 of them are from Edinburgh in this year's course. Lectures happen one day in Edinburgh and three days in Glasgow. It's a phenomenal course. Consider that for next year's intake in, in September, October. But also, the Destiny College course is going to be running part-time next term. So from December to Easter, if you want to do some part-time learning, Destiny College will be running in both Glasgow and Edinburgh simultaneously uh, throughout between, the Glasgow, so it's between Christmas and Easter time. So you can sign up, go on that course, and uh, see it as an opportunity to learn and grow in your faith. So that's discipleship. Thirdly, we want to grow the biggest social network in this city. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking your own assembling together as has become the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing nearing. The, the apostle here writing says, it's good to gather together. Don't get out of the habit of meeting together as a church. If you're kind of thinking, well, don't want to go along, don't want to connect with the church this week. Uh, well, listen, if you start that, that can set a negative habit in your life and it will, will not result in positive blessing in your life. Being part of church brings much blessing in your life. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It doesn't say the gates of hell will not prevail against you. It says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But when you are in it, then you are safe. The church, spiritually speaking, is the safest place you can be on this planet. So plug your life into the local church. Plug your life into the local church. John Wesley said, there is nothing as unchristian as a lone Christian. Many people say, well, I have a faith in God, but I don't need to go to church. Well, it's like you take a coal out of the fire. It won't be long before that coal goes from red hot to black and grubby. So be on fire. Be part of a local church. Plug in. In Revelation 9, uh, 7, 9 to 10, it says, After these things I looked, and there was a great multitude which no one could count of every nation, tribe, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they were crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The Bible here gives a glimpse into the future, and it says that there will come a moment where the church in heaven will be worshipping God, and every tribe, nation, people, and tongue. Do you know what? That's what we should be. We are an international church. We believe in the importance of different races meeting together, different social classes meeting together, different people from different backgrounds connecting with each other, different age groups. This is what church should be. And you know what? That's the challenge, but that's also the awesomeness. It's tough getting along with people who aren't like you. 
But I tell you what, it is the best as well. It will cause you to grow like nothing else. It will cause you to be a rounded person like never before. It's easy being with people like you. It's harder hanging out with people who aren't like you. But go through that. Learn from that. And do you know what? You might think I'm very different to people in this church. Wonderful. You might think I'm a different age group from people in this church. We need you. We need you. Everyone's young and immature like me. We need you. We need people who are older and wiser and who have got years of wisdom who can give advice to the younger people. We need this. We need some younger people to keep the older people from going dull. Okay, we need people from different cultures. Africans, you need to teach us how we need to love our parents in their older age, right? You guys, you send money back to your families. You care for them. What we do here is we say, oh, you're getting old. There you go, nursing home. See ya. And that's it. We kind of, that's rubbish. We've got to learn from you culture. Uh, Africa or Asian cultures that have got such a commitment to the family. We've got so much to learn. I'm sure we can learn stuff from the Irish. There's bound to be some stuff we could learn, and, and other cultures as well. It's interesting, just quickly moving on, a newspaper article in 2006 said that the church is the only institution in the country that migrants trust as a point of support, practical help, and education. Religion is the first port of call for poor immigrants. Isn't that awesome? And so it should be. As a church, we welcome people from all different backgrounds and age groups and cultures. And we really make a big deal of that. And I want to encourage you. You know what? Big, when we're saying 1% of our city, don't think big equals impersonal. That's not the case. I've been at small churches that are very unwelcoming. Maybe that's why they're small. And I've been at big churches that are phenomenally welcoming. The size of the church has nothing to do with how welcoming it is. How welcoming it is has everything to do with the ethos of that church. We believe in human beings. We believe in people. So I want to encourage you, no matter how big this church gets, don't assume that that person over there is, is being talked to. You go talk to them. On a Sunday, can I encourage you? Don't just get so absorbed with, oh, there's my friend and going and catching up. Consider the visitor. Go out of your way to welcome the visitor. Go out of your way to introduce yourself. Get to know them. And build a friendship. Become hospitable. Invite people around to your houses. Not just the people you eat, instantly click with, but people who are not like you. Invite them around to your houses. Let's be hospitable. We're going through a tough time with the economy. There's a credit crunch on. Some people are losing their jobs. I honestly believe in the house, we can prosper, we can do well. I believe that. But here's what I'd say as well. Look out for each other. If someone's lost a job and you can give them work, give them a job. If someone's lost a job and they can't pay the mortgage that month, give them some money. I, I believe if we look out for each other, we can ride this. We can all come out on top and prospering and blessed. So go out of your way and demonstrate practical Christianity. Love human beings. Go the extra mile. Be like Jesus Christ was. We also think that, you know, you know what's really important as well? In a, in a city, that's, there can be a lot of isolation. We said that at the beginning. But I believe church can be a, an answer for that. You know what? Before you became a Christian, many of you, you know, your weekends were, I'm going to go to the pub I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to get laid. That would be your weekend. And that, you knew how to get a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You just did that. Duh, duh, duh. Right. That's how you got someone when you were a non-Christian. But now you're a Christian. Do I just pray? What? what? <laughs> Lord. 
right? You, you, and now you, I mean, you start wearing woolly jumpers and all sorts, right? Everything's gone wrong. So you think, well, how do I get a girlfriend now, right? And here's the danger, right? Here's the danger. The danger is you end up growing through life and in many, not everyone's meant to get married. That's okay. And not, it's not everyone's calling. Some people are called to be single for their days and that's fine. And for those people, they'll be happy with that. For the majority of people, most people will get married. You've come from a framework of reference, and it was a non-Christian framework of reference. I know how to get a girlfriend or a boyfriend in that framework of reference. How do you do that now? You're in a Christian setting, right? The danger is either you don't do that, so you end up older and single. Not that you weren't meant, but that you were meant to be married. But you just missed that opportunity because you didn't know how. And you kind of, do I approach someone or do I, right? Or you end up out of frustration going back to the old ways and saying, oh, stuff this. Lord, you're not answering my prayers. And you end up just going back to the old ways of getting what you wanted. So do you know what the answer is? A church just being healthy. A phenomenal social network in church. And that's not why we're doing the social network, but that's going to be one of the byproducts of it. We want this place to be a place where you can bring your friends, where you can make friends, where you can meet your partner for life where you can be in a situation where there's such a buzz and it's a safe environment because here, we're not saying we're perfect. Actually, many of you are Egypts, right? There's, we've got so many rough edges, okay? You know you do. I know I, I do, right? And I'm better than all you, so I know you do. We've got so many rough edges, right? Yet, the fact we're here says, man, I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want to follow God. So do you know what? That makes hanging out with someone with rough edges a safer bet because they've got an agenda that's that way, not that way. So this is a safe place where you can make good friends and build relationships. So we're going to do tons of stuff. We're going to, typically, once we've got four services up and running, in fact, very soon we hope to have, after every service, a meal. Right? So after the morning service, we hope to provide lunches. After the evening service, we hope to provide meals. In the evening services in Leith, it's brilliant. Uh, we're getting all sorts of crazy stuff on the menu. We had pumpkin, spicy pumpkin soup last week and an Italian Greek salad or something like that. Oh, it was great. People are hanging around, chatting, building friendships. And we're going to start, because we've got cinemas in, in two locations, we're going to start showing movies after that as well. So we're going to start screening movies after the evening meal. So you can bring your friends to church and it's a kind of whole big event. And it's a real chance to build friendships and relationships. So that's, that's where we want to go with some of these things. Fourthly, we want to be a church, uh, a people who meet the needs of the city and heal the hearts of the city. People do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. See, it's not about how much you can explain things that will convert someone. It's about how your life aligns with what you are saying. It's about how your life is demonstrating the love of God that you say God has. And when people can see the love of God through the way you're living, then they will be incredibly attracted to this God. We want to provide practical help in this city. And do you know what? We want to help the city whether they come to our church or not. We want to help the people in this city whether they say yes to Jesus or not. We're not doing it so they become converts, although we would love that. We're doing it because they're human beings and they deserve God's love and dignity and respect. God is seriously passionate about issues of righteousness, justice, and things that cause human suffering upsets him. He mourns when we mourn. He's grieved when we grieve. He goes out his way to help the needy and the poor, and he does it through his people. People will say, well, where's God when the suffering's there? Well, have you not seen his people mobilized? Have you not seen the aid organizations that his people have birthed? 
Have you not seen the way that that person took on responsibility for that suffering person and demonstrated the love of God? He wants to work through your hands, your mouth, your smile, your eyes, your feet. He wants to work through your checkbook. He wants to work through you as a person. He wants you to be expression of his love to this world. We've got a whole lot of things happening in the church that you can get plugged in with and get involved with. We've got a call center called Destiny Angels. Uh, in this last year, we've had 256 phone call requests for help. 204 of them have been complete. We've helped them. Two people recently came to faith as a result of that. And their family has now come to faith as a result. They sort of help providing. We're providing food parcels, befriending people. We're doing housework for people, providing accommodation, furniture, offering prayer, doing gardening, finding a babysitter, providing clothing, getting people out of addictions, and helping with IT support. We've also started a thing called Adopt a Community. We're running it in both Leithen and Gorgie. And Adopt a Community is when we take on areas of the city that are really getting pretty rough. They're kind of, stairwells are getting bad, parks are getting, uh, falling into disrepair. So we're sending teams of people in to refurbish. Uh, at the end of October, we had um, a team of people went out and they cleaned stick stairwells in the, in the Gorgie area. We're planning to do this again. Uh, in, in Leith in the 6th of December. So if you're free to help with stairwell cleaning in the 6th of December. And do you know what it does? We just clean the stairwell for free. And that blows people away. They don't usually get things for free in Scotland. And that blows them away. And as a result of that, there was about 11 people who heard about the church and are interested in the church as a result of cleaning six stairwells in Gorgie. <clears throat> we're also doing the homeless outreach. We've, we've just launched this. And uh, last time they were out, they connected with about 20 folks, homeless people, providing food, offering prayer, and connecting them with hostels and such like so they can get some, a, a roof over their heads. Bethany Care Shelter, we work with them. We provide uh, accommodation, overnight accommodation in our buildings for homeless. That runs through the Christmas months. And we've also just started an elderly outreach. Um, on Tuesday the 9th of December, the students are going carol singing in an elderly home on Ferry Road. Um, we've also got another uh, carol service booked for people to go carol singing in a special needs home on the 10th of December, and there are two other possibilities of carol singing opportunities in old folks' homes in December. But we're want to start, we want to get to the point where we're running regular church services in old folks' homes all around the city, and for people who can't come to us, we want to go to them. And they're precious, and they're often forgotten. Well, God hasn't forgotten them, and we want to demonstrate practically the love of God. We're also looking at, we're early stages of starting Pregnancy Crisis Center, and uh, we're looking at ways of outreaching to the prostitutes and to the sex trade in the city, which is a, a big issue. Uh, Mum and baby group is doing amazingly well. That's running down in Leith just now. They're, they're having to run three groups. They, this is how many they get. I was talking to Kitty, who runs this on Friday. She was saying that they're getting 90 parents in between one and 200 kids every week in their three groups. 90 parents plus one to 200 kids. That's between two and 300 people at the three groups. Have you seen the size of our Leith building? Right, I mean, that's just... That's sardines, right, folks? That is just, this is nuts. You, you don't want to be a, you want, you want to convince your spouse not to have kids? Take them to Leith to one of our mother and baby groups, right? It's nuts. They're absolutely packed to the walls. And really what they ideally want to be able to do is start a fourth day, but because of lack of helpers, they can't do that. So we need helpers for that. But we also want to start duplicating what we're doing there, here, in the new year, as soon as possible in the new year, we want to open the cafe to the public, open up that big window, buy cafe furniture, money permitting, and ultimately God permitting. £15,000 of the catering equipment was provided, incidentally, 
for the cafe kitchen here. Isn't that phenomenal? 15,000 pounds worth of catering equipment was given, donated to the church. So we're going to have a properly fitted out kitchen. It's, it's nearly done. The floor is getting put in next week. The server will be built and a cafe will be in place. Once that's ready, once it's safe, once we op- can open to the public, then we want it as soon as possible in the year, open to have a midweek cafe to the public. And what we'll find is mother and baby groups will be running here and we'll be connecting with the community in a deeper way here as well. But you know what? We need volunteers. We need giving to finance and resource these ideas. But we need volunteers. We need people to help volunteer in the different groups to help make it happen. If you can give time, please give time. Finally, fifthly, we want to be a church that has God very much in the midst of this whole thing. We need God. We need God. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might, and not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We don't see church grow by clever marketing, by hard work, by good programs, by a friendly shake at the door. All those things count. All those things mean something. But ultimately, church only grows because he said, I will build my church. Jesus said that. We need him. We need his anointing. We need his empowering. We need his Holy Spirit. This is God's idea. It's his dream through which the city can be impacted. So please, be part. Be praying with us. Allow God to be involved thoroughly in your life. Jesus said in John 15, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit of itself. He must remain in the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a branch remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit and shall prove yourselves to be my disciples. When churches grow, when great initiatives happen, do you know who, who, who gets the glory for that? God gets the glory for that. Say, look at that miracle. Look at that changed life. Look at that sick person who was healed miraculously. Praise God. Look at that, the way the crime rates have dropped in that community because of the involvement of the church. Praise God. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. It's for Him that we bear fruit. And you will be a fruitful people. And we will be a fruitful church as we walk in close relationship with God eternal. As we walk in relationship with our Heavenly Father. As His heart becomes our heartbeat. We need to be a spiritual people praying in our individual lives. But also as a church, pray. I want to mention one, one last thing. On the 12th of December, we have a monthly prayer gathering as a church. I want to invite as many of you as want to come. Come along, 12th of December uh, at 8.30 in the evening. And that will be our next prayer gathering. We'd love to see you there. Monthly we do these. Good chance to pray and call on God. So that's, that's who we are. That's where we're going. Sorry it's been a bit longer than usual. But it's important we take time to look at these things. This is where we've come to. And this is where we're going, folks. And we want to glorify God with everything we've got within us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us a dream. Thank you for giving us a vision. God, thank you for putting us in a beautiful city. Thank you, God, for giving us wonderful friendships in this church. Thank you, God, for healing so many sick bodies in this church. Thank you for all the miracles that we have been able to testify to as you've been healing people. Thank you, God, for the way you restore people's souls. Thank you, God, for the countless lives in this room and in in other services of people who can say, I came to Destiny Church, I found God, or should I say, God found me, and my life was changed. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. But God, thank you, it's just the beginning. 
I pray that this congregation, that all of us would take ownership, would take responsibility, would give, would pray, would get involved. We just live for you. And as we live for you in in an authentic way in this city, the city would take notice and the city would turn back to God. God be glorified, we pray. God be honored, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why don't make a commitment to God? You've heard about some of the, the dreams we've got as a church. Pray back to God. How, you know, talk to him about how you can be involved. Make a few commitments to God just now. While people are praying and making their response, maybe you're here today and you know that you personally are not connected with God. You may have gone to church. You may have even been religious. But the whole thing about him coming to die on a cross for you to be forgiven, you've never personally engaged with that. You've never let that personally impact your life so that today you know you're forgiven. You know you're going to heaven. You know you're safe forever. And if that's you today, and you want to give your life to the Lord, and accept His love, and embrace His forgiveness, and start a new life with Him, if that's you, then I invite you just to make this commitment just now, just while we're praying. Very simply, while everyone's eyes are closed, you just repeat this prayer after me. Make this your prayer, your commitment to God. It might be that you've prayed this sometime in the past, but for whatever reason, you've slipped away. Then today's the time. Come back to God. If that's you, pray with me just now. Pray, dear Lord God, thank you for your eternal love for me. Thank you, God, you got out of your comfort zone to come and to die on a cross and to rise again so that I could have forgiveness and a whole new life. Today, I give my life back to you. I put my faith in you. I place my entire trust in you. Jesus, today I believe you died and rose again and I make you Lord of my life. I put you first from now on. I'm going to follow you. Please forgive me and cleanse me. Thank you for hearing my prayer today. Amen. Keep your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, you made that commitment, then I would love the privilege of praying for you and asking God to bless you as you embark on this new life with Him. If that's you, you prayed that prayer. Just very simply, indicate to me you did that by raising your hand. If you prayed that prayer, just quickly put your hand up. Thank you. Anyone else? Quickly put your hand up so I can see it. And then I'll pray for you as well. Anyone else like that before I pray? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anyone else? You made that commitment. You prayed that prayer. Before I pray for you, anyone else who wants me to pray for them? Okay, God, thank you so much for my friends here today who have said today they've said yes to you. They've made this commitment to you. They've said yes to you. And I thank you as they have done that. You accept them. You forgive them. And I pray right now you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit. Let them know that they are children of God, safe forever. And let them now grow in this faith from day to day, experiencing your love, 
getting involved in a good church and moving forward with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're just going to close with one song just to end with worship here. Um, those, those friends who put their hands up at the end, they're going to get a prayer partner just to come and pray with you again at the end as well. Please don't rush off. Let's stand to feet. We're going to worship God to close.